It has been said at some point in everyone's life, everyone prays. Whether praying to themselves, and some people think that they are gods, maybe to another person, to a false god, or to the true and living God who created the heavens and the earth. At some point in everyone's life, everyone prays. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Romans chapter 8 today, titled it, All Creation Groans. We're going to be looking at verses 18 through 27. First point is creation groans, verses 18 through 22. We groan, and this morning when I looked at my notes, I could have easily titled this Believers Groan, because he's talking about believers, even though we know that uh, those who believe in Jesus and those who do not believe in Jesus, we all groan, verses 23 through 25, and then the Spirit groans, verses 26 through 27. And Father, I ask that you'd bless this teaching, open our hearts to receive from your word today, Lord. Help us to understand it a little more clearer this morning, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. And by the fruits of the Holy Spirit, we find our positional, our practical, our ultimate sanctification all comes through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That positional sanctification speaks about our spirits being sanctified the moment we believed in Jesus Christ. That practical side of our sanctification speaks about our lives being changed in this current day and age as we live for the Lord. Our lives being changed as we become more of the image of Jesus Christ. But that ultimate sanctification speaks about that time when we see Jesus face to face and we will be transformed in the glorious image of our Lord. And though we've been adopted into the family of God, we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, like Paul, we still wait for that full understanding of things. Paul said concerning now, in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, Now you see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. And today we see in that mirror dimly. It's not quite clear as we'd like it to be. It's a bit distorted. Although the Lord gives us a lot of information in Scripture, 
It's not in clear sight as of yet, but one day we'll find that clarity when Jesus returns. It reminds us that we cannot let the groanings, the labors of this world distract us from the eternal perspective while we wait the glorious liberty of the children of God. And I fear that sometimes we get distracted by the things that's going on in our world. We get our eyes off of Jesus. We get distracted momentarily, and we get our eyes off the prize. And, and sometimes we look back. It distracts us. We look at our past. Social media, in many ways, has been a blessing, but also it's become distracting. As people look back to the past, they're reminded of things that perhaps, or people that they'd be better off to forget we want to make sure that in this mirror dimly that we don't get distracted in the groanings, the labors of this current generation, looking forward to that glorious liberty that comes as children of God. In verse 24, for we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? This word for hope means to anticipate with pleasure, this expectation, a confidence that something good is coming. And hope is a factor of our salvation. According to Vines, he broke it down into four things. Vines said that hope is a factor of our salvation. And then he quoted Romans 8, 24, saying that we were saved in this hope. And then he goes on to say, it finds its expression in endurance under trial, which is the effect of waiting for the coming of the Lord. Hope finds its expression in the endurance under trial. And he put 1 Thessalonians 1.3 to this, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God, our Father. He also said, vines, saying that it is an anchor of our soul, staying in the midst of this storm of life. And so as an anchor, hope, Hebrews 6, 18 and 19, that by two immutable things, and that which it is impossible for God to lie, that we have this strong consolation, who have fled for a refuge to lay hold of the hope that is set before us. And this hope we have as an anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast. Hope is an anchor in our lives, but it also has a purifying effect in our lives. As it says in 1 John 3, 3, everyone who has this hope keeps himself pure just as he is pure. Hope, we find that it is a factor in our salvation. It's expressed in our endurance it is an anchor of our soul, and it has a purifying effect upon our lives. And although our salvation cleanses us from our sins the day that we are saved, it also unites us with the Spirit of God. It brings us into the family of God, that we're able to cry out to God, Abba, Father, but we are, have not arrived yet. Just think about it, parents. It's summertime. It's time for family vacation. You're doing the long drive. And in those long drives, there's always the question, are we there yet? 
No. I'll let you know when we get there. And then half hour later, are we there yet? There is an expectation, a, a desire to arrive to wherever you might be going. One year, we were doing a, a radical drive from Illinois to California nonstop. Yeah, <laughs> it's a long drive. And uh, about 2 a.m. in the morning, Lily said, I'm done. I can't drive anymore. And so I started driving at 2 a.m. in the morning. I had, I think I pulled over at a rest stop and I slept for like 20 minutes until a semi blew by. And then I, I woke up and started driving again. Here's what kept us going on that trip. I think it kept me alert and awake that we were going to have breakfast at the teepee coming up in the very next town. I kept saying, I think it's the next town. I didn't know where the teepee was. There was no GPS to type it in and look for it, or I would have known. There was just, we had stopped there once, and we enjoyed it, we liked it, we were going there again. Little did I know that the teepee was two states away, not just the next <laughs> town away. We didn't have breakfast, we had lunch there but it kept us going. There was that expectation that kept us going. We hadn't arrived yet and the kids were wanting, they were begging for the food. Oh, in the sense, we think about our faith. Lord, wouldn't you just come? Why don't you come now? And the Lord's saying, no, it's just the next town over. Just give me a little more time and we're gonna get it done. The Lord is coming. 1 John 3, 2 tells us, Beloved, now we know we are the children of God, but it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, and we shall see him as he is. I'm not quite sure what heaven's glory is going to be like, but according to the word of God, when we see Jesus, then we will have that understanding. Right now, we look in that mirror dimly. Right now, we're to be looking in that expectation were to have our necks stretched out looking for the road sign that says the teepee up ahead just two states further you're going to make it just hang in there endure with us we're going to make it and we wait with perseverance verse 25 and if we hope for what we do not see we eagerly wait with it with perseverance to eagerly wait it means to expect fully uh, to look for, uh, to wait for. And it's an expression that we have as believers, this hope that we have. But also with perseverance. The word for perseverance means we abide under. And we might think that we abide under the trials of this life. And as we abide under the trials of this life, we hope with expectation of the Lord's soon coming. And while we run our race, while abiding under the pressures of this life, we are to patiently wait in hope for Jesus' return, for God to judge this world, but also to bring us into heaven's glory. The author of Hebrews wrote in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, 
despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. We look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who has already endured the cross. He despised the shame of the cross, but he has now sat down at the right hand of the Father. And we are to do in a similar way, to endure the sufferings of this present life, to despise the shame of them, because one day we also will be brought into the glorious liberty of the children of God. And so believers groan as they await our ultimate deliverance from the bondage of sin. And finally, the spirit groans. I think for me, this teaching, these last two verses spoke to me so much this week as I was studying for this message. First of all, we read in verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. It has been said at some point in everyone's life, everyone prays, whether praying to themselves, and some people think that they are gods, maybe to another person, to a false God or to the true and living God who created the heavens and the earth. At some point in everyone's life, everyone prays. Our weaknesses are seen by our not knowing what we should pray for. When we set about to pray, sometimes we just, we don't know what we should be asking. Uh, we may have a list, and, and I put together a prayer list. I do it for our church but how do we know that we have everything on the list that we should be praying for? Or how do we know that the things we have on the list are actually the things that we should be praying for? Maybe something not working out the way we think it should go is actually the will of God for the betterment of that individual or of our lives. So our weaknesses is seen by not knowing how we should pray. The Bible Knowledge Commentary said, it is not that the Spirit helps us in those occasional times when Christians are weak. Their state is one of weakness, and the Spirit continually helps them. Our state, we're one of weakness, and thankfully the Spirit comes alongside us and makes intercessions with groanings which cannot be uttered. Don't you love it that the Holy Spirit is making intercession before the throne of God with groanings which cannot be uttered, or it could mean with words inexpressible. We can't quite describe the prayer of the Holy Spirit before the Father. In Ephesians 6.18, it says, Praying always with prayer and supplication in the Holy Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance, and supplication for all the saints. One of the great evangelists of past days, he lived from 1835 to 1913, Ian Bounds, in his book, Power Through Prayer, he said, what the church needs today is not more machinery or better or new organizations or more or novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use, men of prayer, men mighty in prayer. The Holy Ghost does not flow through methods, but through men. He does not come upon machinery, but upon men. He does not anoint plans, but men, men, and I'll add women, of prayer. 
And I think today, often, the church is saying what we need is new methods, new machinery. If you only had this app, I had that phone call this week. This app, it'll make it happen for you. Actually, the phone call was last week. Of course, the app only costs our church about $200 a month to have that app that will make all the bells and whistles happen within the church. And I think, you know, it's not about having the proper app, although we could use these social media tools for the benefit of our fellowship. But if we lack in the power of prayer, if we lack in the sanctity of the fellowship, if we lack in the surrender of our lives to Christ, it doesn't matter how many tools we might have or the methods or the grounds, the sanctuary, the building. It's through the empowering of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so we find that the Spirit helps in our weaknesses, making these groanings, these inexpressible words, the Spirit is praying for us. He makes intercession, verse 27, our last verse of our text today. He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. He who searches the hearts, God the Father, searching the hearts. In Jeremiah 17, 10, it says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruits of his doings. God searching the hearts. He who searches the hearts knows the mind of the spirit. We find in the triunity of the Godhead, the triunity consisting of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, that in these two portions of the triunity, God the Father, knowing the mind of God the Holy Spirit, and the reverse being true, God the Holy Spirit, knowing the mind of God the Father. Because of this, the Holy Spirit is able to make intercession for believers according to the will of God. We don't know how we should properly pray. The Holy Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered or these inexpressible words. And I think this is what's blessed me the most as I went through this passage this week, because often I don't know how I should properly pray. All I can do is groan sometimes and, and just say, Lord, and to know that the Spirit is making intercession for us, to know that Jesus is making intercession for us as well. Next week, as we look at the end of Romans 8, uh, we'll find in Romans 8.31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And seeing that God is for us and that God the Holy Spirit continually makes intercession for us, who could possibly be against us? 1 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11 says, But God has revealed to them and to us through His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows, the things of man, except the Spirit of man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. We know what's in our heart. We know what's in our spirits. We understand that. The Holy Spirit knows the deep things of God. He makes intercession for us. And therefore, because of this, Hebrews 7.25, He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Him, since 
He always lives to make intercession for them. That's speaking of Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit of God making intercession for us with inexpressible words, with groanings that cannot be uttered. And we have God the Son continually making intercession for us. What more do we need than that? Another great man of faith from years gone by, Andrew Murray, said, Let us thank God heartily, as often as we pray, that we may have his spirit in us to teach us to pray. Thanksgiving will draw our hearts out to God and keep us engaged with him and will take our attention from ourselves and give the spirit room in our hearts. Thanksgiving, it, it draws our hearts out to God. It takes our attention away from ourselves. I think sometimes that's why we have a difficulty in our prayers, how we should pray, because we're so focused on ourselves that we're not looking beyond ourselves. You know, I found that in life that we do better when we serve others, that when we're focused upon ourselves, so often we're focused upon the aches and pains that we might have in this life, and they can be legitimate aches and pains. I had a woman once that I was probably delivering groceries to once, and and she was at that time saying that, you know, I can't get out of this house, kind of uh, in a condition where she's unable to serve others. And I said, but you can pray. You may not be able to leave this place, but you can pray. And I gave her, at the time, Lily was battling breast cancer. And I said, you can pray for me and my family because this is what we're going through. You can have ministry just because the body doesn't work as it once did. Mine doesn't, that's for sure. I wish I had that body of pre-1999, September of 1999, the day that I threw my back out. My body changed from that day forward. I can only dream of that uh, 39-year-old body without the great pain that I often endure. But I also wonder... If the Lord hadn't have taken my back out, what I'd be up to today? I don't know if I'd be in the pulpit or not. It's like he took one thing away from me to open the door for another thing. And uh, I often wonder, you know, I, I think I would, I felt called to the ministry. I think I'd be striving to be in the pulpit somewhere. But the Lord had to shut me down, I believe because I like working physically. I like it, I enjoy it, even though it pains me. But I'm also grateful for the work that he has done as a result of those pains. The Lord is before the throne of God, Jesus making intercession for us. The Holy Spirit with groans inexpressible making intercession for us. So as we wait, we find in this world today that all creation groans. We have creation itself groaning, awaiting its deliverance from the bondage of sin. Believers groaning as we await our ultimate deliverance into heaven's glory. And also the Spirit groaning, making intercession for us with inexpressible words. I, I've been saying that a lot. I like it because it means that the Lord is praying in such a way that we would not even understand the depth 
of the prayer of the Spirit before the throne room of God in our behalf. And that's what blessed me so much about this teaching. If the Lord Jesus is daily making intercession for us, if God the Holy Spirit is making intercession for us, if God is for us, who could possibly be against us? My friends, we have such a great Savior. And though we may be going through struggles in this life, God is for us. It's not a question of if God is for us, we're not quite sure. Here's one of the difficulties of translating that uh, word in the Greek. Oftentimes they translate it as an if. And in English we think if the possibility maybe is not for us. Maybe he is for us. I'm not quite sure. Sometimes that would be better translated as since God is for us, who could possibly be against us? Father, we thank you for your word, for what it teaches us. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless us now as we wait upon you, as we close out in this final song, and as we lift up our voices in, in praise and adoration, we ask in the name of Jesus, amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.